your name gets lost. They begin calling you by your disability, begin identifying you by your disability. I don't have enough to take care of the children to care for them. Physical barriers that are not helpful for people with disabilities to have access to transport systems. Hello and welcome to this week's program. I'm Sally Amutabi and this is Africa Science Focus, a side of net production. Did you know that an estimated 15% of the global population lives with a disability and 80% of people with disabilities live in developing countries? Yet, only a handful of countries in Sub-Saharan Africa namely Ethiopia and Mozambique, have national disability action plans. This week on Africa's Hands Focus, our reporter Charles Pencilow speaks to some of the designers working on unique strategies and technologies to support people living with disabilities. But first, we hear from Stuart Chauluka. Stuart is the Education Coordinator at the Malawi Union of the Blind and he has a visual impairment. I'm Chauluka Stewart. I think basically the most challenging thing that I can able to point out is, uh, I think, during my school life. Apart from that, the other issue there about the issue of mobility. Mobility is also being a challenge because maybe you are walking, I cannot see clear on the lot, uh, or maybe the way I'll be walking, I'll be stepping on things. Somebody from a distance will look at me and say, ah, ah, look at that one is drunk at this particular, at this time. Stuart believes that the biggest challenge for disability support services in sub-Saharan Africa is the lack of access to technology. Issues of resources. Most of people with visual impairment or disability like that are coming from very poor families. When a child is born, you find that a father may run away because a father is not to be responsible to that a child with a disability. There are people with disabilities are raised by, 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 by just a, a mother. So that makes a bigger challenge because most of women, they don't have capacity to, to, to bring uh, resources from their homes. Go back to the issue of technology. Yes, there are some technology that are there, but uh, the issues of how to access those. Now people are... Yeah, I've introduced the. We, normally, when the band is, is working, use a white cane. Now there's a white cane that has been, been just introduced with an audible voice. It vibrates when there's an obstacle, but at the same time, to access just a, such a, a device, it's about 100 US dollars, which is about 70 to 80 malaikwaja. That's another challenge. These kinds of technology are readily available in other parts of the world, but for many people in Africa, they are difficult to find or too costly. Talk of list watches, a cheaper list watch, maybe somebody can procure the same list watch at maybe 3,000 Malaya But if you can to access a list watch that is accessible, as good and audible, you may find it's about 7,000, 8,000. So in short, it's like devices for visually impaired people that can use, that are accessible to visually impaired people, are expensive. Disability is a broad term which includes any impairment of the body or mind that makes daily activities or interaction with the world more difficult. 
in Africa. Research teams are investigating how to improve disability healthcare and well-being. Dr. Lawrence Kenny from Fit for Papa's Prosthetics tells us about his team's investigation into cultural constraints and clinical and manufacturing resources for people living with upper limb loss in Uganda. Uh, my name is Lawrence Kenny and I'm Professor in Rehabilitation Technologies here at the University of Salford in the UK. And I'm going to talk to you today about our Fit for Purpose Prosthetics project that focuses on a major problem experienced by people with upper limb loss, namely access to suitable and affordable prostheses. One of the many reasons for this lack of access is that the focus for much of the R&D in prosthetics has been on developing solutions which are expensive and often not easy to implement sustainably in lower resource settings. We're working with other academics in the UK and with partners at Kerry University in Kampala, Uganda, to address this through the development of appropriate prostheses and digital tools which to assess the value of the devices to the user, as well as other research to better understand some of the barriers to implementation of findings. First, as around 75% of Uganda's population lives in rural areas, as incomes are low and specialist services are few and far between, we're developing devices that could be manufactured and repaired locally. Specifically, we're working on prosthetic socket designs, which may be able to be fabricated without the need for specialist materials and machinery and adjusted by the person themselves on the day-to-day -day basis. Secondly, we're designing a purely mechanical hand, which may be more suitable for the needs of what is a largely rural population than some of the other designs on the market. While the prosthesis is still in development, the team is working towards creating affordable artificial limbs that are powered by the wearer's body. With plans to set up a manufacturing site in Uganda, it is hoped that these tailored artificial limbs will soon begin improving the mobility of people living with disabilities. And to help us, and in the future clinical services, understand the value or otherwise of prostheses to their users, we've been testing digital tools to capture the real-world use of prostheses and people's experiences with using these devices in their everyday life. Finally, we're working with organisations in Uganda to explore how the supply chains for prosthetic components and materials might be improved. If you'd like to know more about our work, please visit our project website at fitforpurposeprosthetics.org. That's fit number four, purposeprosthetics.org. Or follow us on Twitter at SalfordHMR. That's S-A-L-F-O-R-D-H-M-R. While they are often faced with a lack of materials, Dr. Kenny and his colleagues say that orthopedic technologists, the people who support the physicians that treat skeletal problems, are incredibly resourceful and a multi-skilled group with a genuine enthusiasm to improve local disability services. One such innovative group is Malawi Against Physical Disabilities, Noel Chiwambo is one of the organization's physiotherapists. He can often be seen working directly with clients and lending a hand in the various workshops. We make, we do fabricate our own wheelchairs. We do fabricate walking aids. 
in, with some of the wheelchairs that are donated. They are made just to be used in areas which are accessible, which are flat and the like. But in our case, we fabricate the appliances, aids and appliances that can be used in hilly areas or in rough surfaces using the spare parts that can be locally found. Despite providing like a wheelchair, we could also take that role of trying to maintain our maintenance of the appliances that we used to give them. In the past, the group's outreach programs would assign equipment built in their workshops to residents of local communities. The equipment is designed depending on the materials available. One tricycle model is made from old bike wheels with thick tires, which are sturdy in rural areas. It has a metal chair that sits on a scratched blue frame and instead of pedals, there are rusty hand grips to allow the user to move the tricycle with their arms alone. It is an imaginative piece of engineering and is popular due to its speediness compared with a wheelchair. Noel tells Africa Science Focus that many people with disability have to pay an extra fare to take their mobility equipment on public transport. While there should be a government support for people living with disabilities, many budgets are too small and organizations are forced to rely on donations. Noel says that during the coronavirus pandemic, even these sources of donations have dried up. Though currently we no longer produce as we used to in the past and it's quite uh, pathetic that uh, some of the clients that we used to help in the communities, right deep down in the communities, it's now very difficult uh, for us to provide them with the appliances that they used to get. Uh, in the past, we used to go to different um, health centers in different districts, uh, but due to the challenge of transportation or generally due to challenges of funding, uh, that was seized. So we just work, like for example, here at uh, Blunt Tire Unit, we have Kachere Rehabilitation Center, which is mainly the center for the whole country because we do get referrals from different district hospitals. It's actually the only center that deals with adults with neurological problems, those that have stroke or those that got involved in accidents. We already have trained physiotherapists we have trained uh, medical personnel on, or we also have well-trained technicians in the workshop, but we are underutilizing them just because we don't have much resources. Noel also says that he has witnessed an increase in people with neurological damage in need of his organization services. Next, on today's show, we hear from Joseph Mizere, who has sent in a question on agriculture and climate change. Tamani Konomvula 
a development expert and CEO of the Civil Society Agriculture Network in Malawi, is on hand to help. Hi, Africa Science Focus. My name is Joseph Mizele from Blantyre, Malawi, and I would like to ask if there are any alternatives to the effects of climate change to the crop production here in Malawi, which has affected many farmers. Yeah, it's indeed true that climate change is having a huge impact on agriculture productivity, but also agriculture production in, in general. There are several uh, technologies that are being developed under what we call climate smart agriculture. Because when you're talking about, uh, about climate change, there are basically three or four things that comes with it. One is we're talking about issues of drought. Two, we are talking about issues of floods, which have increased for over the years. But there's also been an influx of different pests and diseases that have come. But also at the same time, there are several some crops that do not perform well over different heat regime. So when you're talking about drought, some of the ways that are being used uh, make adaptive to that is to use things like conservation agriculture, which helps to conserve moisture in the soils, but also to intensify the use of uh, irrigation, especially the using of groundwater. And uh, when you're talking about uh, floods, farmers are being encouraged to make sure that they are promoting crops that are tolerant to, to floods, like for example, rice and, uh, and uh, some other crops. Yeah, so this could be some of, of the ways that uh, we can still maintain uh, the momentum of productivity of agriculture, even though uh, there is a change in climate. Do you have a question regarding your health and lifestyle, or is there something scientific happening in Africa that you would like explained? You too can get an answer from an expert. Send us a text or voice message via WhatsApp to plus two five four seven nine nine zero four two five one three. You can subscribe to our program, download episodes, and leave a review at www.sidev.net. Today's program was produced by Harrison Lewis. The editor was Jackie Oparafatoye, and the reporter was Charles Pensolo. I'm Sally Amutabi. See you next Wednesday. This program was funded by the European Journalism Center through the European Development Journalism Grant Program with support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation.